The Tom Woods Show, episode 1680. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. No matter who you are, this message is directed at you. You're overwhelmed with email. You don't know how to handle it. You can never stay on top of it. What do you do? You use SaneBox, which will help manage your email and get you your sanity back. Visit SaneBox.com slash Woods today to start your free trial and get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com slash Woods. Hey, everybody, Tom Woods here. I am so glad to have our old friend Dominic Frisbee back on the show. I've gotten to know more and more about this guy since first talking to him and getting to meet him over there in the UK. And we're just going to shoot the breeze a little bit, but also he's got a new song. He tends to write songs, some of them satirical, all of them humorous. He's got a new one related to libertarianism. We're going to listen to it and uh, take some action with it. But without further ado, Dominic Frisbee, welcome back. Thank you very much, Tom. It's uh, great to be back. I'm so glad to be talking to you. And I'm also so glad that we had that lunch when we did. It was just before the world ended. So I'm glad I got to see you when England was still sort of normal and it was possible to get over there and for us to have a casual conversation, not about the apocalypse. It was pretty pleasant. Yeah, I mean, isn't it amazing how much the world has changed and how quickly? Yeah, how quickly indeed. And then if it's not one thing, it's another, especially over here in the US. And it's like the left has accelerated its demands and its program and its uh, assaults on people and its desire to destroy people in their careers. I mean, we had to know on some level this was coming because these were the same people who, if there was one slightly dissenting voice on a college campus for one hour out of an entire academic year, oh, they would scream and shout and and put on a big fuss. It's okay that I had to endure the other 800 gazillion hours of nonsensical drivel. That was fine. But one hour of mild dissent was enough to make them apoplectic. You had to know this is, as they got older, this is where they were taking things. So it's uh, it's quite astonishing where the world is going. Yeah, when 2016 happened, I just thought it was like the silent majority gets it. And even though they're not that loud in their opinions, it was like with things like Brexit and to a certain extent Trump, it was like a victory for the person that wants less government and less of being told what to do and so on. I know Trump has actually ended up being more government, but at the time it it was like a big rejection of everything. And yet, even though 2016 happened, we seem to have got more status than we were three years ago in in reality. Well, that's the way the, the game is rigged. It's like no matter no matter what you do. And in foreign policy, my line is always, no matter whom you vote for, you always wind up with John McCain. No matter which person it is, it's always, always ends up being John McCain. Even if he's not alive. That's right. From beyond the grave, John McCain has his revenge. But, you know, in general, just just looking at the situation, you're right that 2016 in some rough way was um, like the collective voice of a silent majority saying, we're tired of being told that we're stupid and backward. We're tired of being told what to think all the time. Meanwhile, the other side claims that it's oppressed and marginalized. I'd love to be oppressed and marginalized if it meant that the entire entertainment industry supports me, all of academia supports me, 
the media class completely supports me, and we will hound and destroy anyone who dissents. If that's oppressed and marginalized, then I want some of that. Yeah, man, you can oppress me any day of the week. <laughs> it's it, it's frightening and frustrating what's going on. And it's, so, it's just so strange. It's, the phenomenon is so strange that, I mean, really, literally everybody is on one side, and, you know, who hector the rest of society for not supporting whatever their project is. And the, the, then you have the other side of society, which, which doesn't like them either, but it's quite content to kind of just leave them alone. And that, this is the problem where I, I've, I've sometimes thought that maybe we need some kind of peaceful separation. If you have two parties that have irreconcilable differences, you can either be miserable for the rest of your lives or you can just go your separate ways in peace. And that's the way that, – that's a humane way of solving problems. If I have a business partner and we just don't agree on anything, then maybe – he should do his thing and I'll do my thing. But the, the trouble is the messianic left won't let you do that because they still feel compelled to correct your errors. Yeah, that's the uh, the libertarian solution. As I often look at the UK, and I'm sure America's no different, you just sort of almost want to draw a line right through the middle of the country, whether it's sort of from north to south or from east to west. And everybody who thinks one thing can go and live on one side of the line and everyone who thinks something else can go and live on the other side of the line. And maybe the <laughs> the moderates can occupy no man's land in the middle of the two. But we're in such a polarized world at the moment that moderates are a dying breed because, you know, people who were previously, you know, moderately conservative, slightly right of center, perhaps, are now far right, according to some definitions. But yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could, if those who thought one thing could go and live in one place and those who thought something else could live somewhere else. But as you say, the messianic left will not let that happen. They don't want any kind of, you know, they talk about diversity, but they don't want any kind of diversity of thought or opinion. And, uh, and, and if you do even think, you know, wrong think is a thing and you're burnt at the stake as a heretic. In fact, Funnily enough, <laughs> I, I I wanted to talk about my song, but we'll we'll we, we'll come to that oh, in a minute. I, we'll come to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've just been written and writing an article. We're using these words like you know messianic and uh, lynch mobs, and I've just been writing an article, Tom, about how many practices from medieval times and the um, early modern period, we sort of look back at them now with a certain amount of abhorrence and perplexity. And we kind of ask ourselves, how could human beings be possessed in, in, in this way to do such things? And yet they're all alive and well today. And um, so, for example, you have something like excommunication. Now, excommunication back in in those days was it you know it was a powerful political tool and it didn't just mean that somebody couldn't take communion they were shunned they were alienated they were ostracized by society now what is cancel culture what is um, no platforming someone if it isn't excommunicating them and then all part of excommunicating them, they, they'd have trials at a, as a witch and the local clergy and these were all kangaroo courts of course because it didn't matter if you were innocent and the local clergy would, would, you know, be the inquisitors who held the trial. Now, who are today's inquisitors? It's, you know, social justice warriors and guardian journalists and activists. And, and um, you know, it almost, it almost pays to have some kind of victimhood. If you can claim some kind of victimhood, then you get pre-status. And this entitles you to cast judgment, moral judgments on everyone else. And so, you know, excommunication, cancel, this is just one example, lynch mobs, burning at the stake. That's exactly what happens on social media. And 
you know, we've we've got all, all we. I'm sure you know Kevin Hart in a way was excommunicated because he was. They dug up some jokes he he made eight years earlier, and there are count. You know, Katie Hopkins has just been banned from Twitter. You know, it's all you know a modern form of excommunication, and that's just one example of you know iconoclasm, the burning down of statues and so on. I mean. You know, that's a medieval thing. In medieval times, it was Jewish texts that they burnt. And, you know, thank God we've got rid, got rid of all that anti-Semitism. You know, not. So it's, it's just really bizarre that all these almost barbaric practices should have um, re-emerged. It is a, an astonishing phenomenon. And of course, it's something that we've seen in other related movements. So you definitely see that in Marxism. They have an eschatology. They have the entire religious apparatus. I had a political scientist on some time ago, uh, April Kelly Wessner, and she was arguing that when we evaluate how tolerant somebody is, it's not sufficient to see how they treat people they like. We already know they're going to be kind to people they like. The real test of tolerance is how do they treat people they dislike? And on those grounds, the people who congratulate themselves on their tolerance all the time, to the point where they never shut up about it, are by far the least tolerant. I mean, yeah, we know, we get that you like this group and that group. We hear you, okay? We, we got it. But how do you treat people who, who actually think there's a, believe it or not, a second perspective, that there's another point of view? Well, those people are be destroyed, their careers ruined, their names dragged through the mud. Whereas my, my view is I may not agree with the agendas of some of these people, but it would not occur to me that the correct response to that is to destroy them completely. So I am vastly more tolerant. And, and I think, by the way, that they use words like tolerance and diversity partly to gaslight us because yeah. then they do the exact opposite. It, it has to be to throw us off, keep us off balance because they can't, in their heart of heart, can they really, really believe that what they favor, what they favor is the Borg. There's one blob that has every predictable opinion under the sun. And if you don't belong to the Borg, then you're not even a person. Your perspective isn't going to be represented anywhere. You're not going to be treated with respect. And for them to say they favor tolerance and diversity, it has to, I mean, I'm not even being sarcastic here. That has to be some kind of a, on some level, a joke at our expense, maybe? Yeah, I mean, it's it's Orwellian doublespeak. And, you know, what interests me is, I mean, I, I just agree with every single word you said. We've got this big scandal going on in the UK live comedy scene at the moment where all these women have come forward, you know, complaining of having been molested by male comedians or, you know, male comedians and also bookers using their status to get favours off women. Let's put it that way. And all the male comics who've been accused of this almost invariably are the ones who signal their virtue the loudest. They're the woke ones. They're the look at me, I'm a cool left, yeah. all-inclusive guy. And it's almost always, um, you know, it's almost to the point where, like, you know, Facebook can, for example, tell which way you're likely to vote by the car you drive, that kind of thing. And, you know, it's almost like this. It's, it's you can tell how deviant that person is by the type of virtue that he signals publicly. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is something to that. At least, at least it's statistically significant uh, that phenomenon. That there's some reason that they are obsessing over this issue, and it's and you, not it, it's their religion. pure devotion to to virtue. It, yeah, absolutely, and it's it's religion, Tom. Like you know, in medieval times, you know, there was all sorts of different sects of Christianity that perforated, but today's religions are not Christianity or Judaism. Well, it is Islam, but today's religions 
are climate change, the welfare state, the health system, Black Lives Matter. You know, all these issues are today's religions. And it's bizarre. And I think it goes all the way back to, you know, the beginning of the 20th century when the state began to replace the church as the main provider of things like healthcare and welfare and education. And so it's almost like people stopped worshipping at the altar of God and they started worshipping at this new altar, at the new great provider. You know, in the, in the UK, the NHS has replaced the Virgin Mary as the divine matriarch. And I, I, it's almost to do with the fact that the state has become the supplier of all these essential services and also the one, by the way, who now takes your tithe. You know, it's almost like that's why the state and all the things that, many of the things that it stands for, have become this, the new religions. And yet it goes, and we'll get to, I want to get to our main topic in just a second, but at this point, I sometimes feel, even as a libertarian of many years, that sometimes the things we say ring a bit hollow because of our constant emphasis on the state. Now, I emphasize the state because it's organized coercion, and as a libertarian, I want to minimize or abolish organized, any, any type of coercion. But to talk as if the state is the only source of our problems when there are clearly other undesirable things going on in society that are quite outside the state. I mean, why is it that every corporate CEO has to email me telling me his position on every issue under the sun that I could not care less about? I don't care what his opinion is. It's completely uninformed. It's entirely predictable. I could write the letter for him. I could write it. I could write a better letter than this bum is writing to me. Uh, it's all through society. It's not, it's not even just the state. And some people have said that if anything, at least the state will sometimes, their courts will say, okay, no, this college has to give this classroom for this speaker to speak in. Sometimes it's the state that will occasionally intervene and say, no, the local mob can't stop you from speaking. Sometimes it is, but it's like easier. That's where we've gotten to. It, that's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, it is. But I tell you what, it's easier to just adhere to the demands of the bang mob than it is to stand up to them. And most people will bow to their demands for the sake of a quiet life. You know, there's only so many battles each of us have within us that we can fight. And, you know, the baying mob trying to lynch somebody else for something they said or didn't say, often it's just easier to go, do you know what? Have what you want, if only out of self-protection. Yeah, and, and, and I completely understand that, especially head of a household, has children, has to provide for them wants to keep his head down. I'm not asking everybody to be a martyr here, but at the very least, don't pretend that you're the courageous one because you take the position of the people who are destroying careers. That's, there's nothing, literally nothing at all courageous about that. Folks, tell me if you can relate to this. Email is a soul-crushing distraction for you, and it causes you anxiety when you can't keep up with it. And at the end of the day, you know you have more email you haven't gotten to. And then the next day, it just gets worse and you don't know how to get a handle on it. SaneBox's artificial intelligence monitors your inbox. Automatically, knucklehead email is moved to your Sane Later folder. All that's left is the important stuff. If you know how email folders work, then you know how SaneBox works. Find an email in the wrong folder, just move it. Nothing to learn, nothing to install. SaneBox works directly with every single email server or service that has ever been created. It also has neat features like the Sane Black Hole, where you can drag messages from annoying people you never want to hear from again. 
and Sane reminders to ping you if someone hasn't replied to your email by a certain date. See how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. Visit SaneBox.com woods today to start your free trial and get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash woods. So anyway, let's let's talk about something happier now. All right, that's <laughs> yeah, let gloom for now. Let's talk about something happier. You've written quite a few uh, humorous songs, and of course, your Brexit material just top notch. And what an opportunity that was for you to present that song at that time. But you have a brand new one that you sent me that I listened to and liked, and I thought the lyrics were great and very clever and 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 appropriate. So tell people what it's called, what it's about, and what your ambitions are with it. Well. I mean, rather than me tell people what it's about, Tom, why don't we? Why don't we play it? Yes, indeed. Okay, so I'll I'll do a little introduction to it and then you play it. Okay, so I did a show at the Edinburgh Festival uh, last summer, 2019, called Libertarian Love Songs. And at the beginning, and basically the premise of the show is that I had various government ministers from the newly formed nation of Libertaria who would come and articulate various government policies through the medium of song. And so we had, for example, the minister of Calypso did one song and we had the minister of, you know, and really in Libertaria there should be no ministers. But anyway, and, and I wore a different hat as each character. But at the beginning of the show everyone in the audience had to rise and sing the National Anthem of Libertaria. And here is the National Anthem of Libertaria. Arise, libertarians, above totalitarians. Our guide is the mighty invisible hand. Reject state controllers, collectors, patrollers. Our choices are better than government plans. Taxation is a form of theft Free markets and free trade are best Free speech, free movement, free minds and free choice Our actions are all voluntary Bitcoin is our money. We are 
All right, everybody, there it is. There it is. Now, would you like me to also link to the the uh, the YouTube? Yes, on the please. Show notes page? That All would right, be yeah. great. So, yeah. Okay, so the show notes page is tomwoods.com slash 1680. That's 1680. I'll have the YouTube version of what you just heard. All right, so you write all these all by yourself, no collaboration? Um, I write the words, and I have a friend uh, who writes the music for most of my songs, but that song obviously <laughs> was the uh, Soviet national anthem, and that was written by one <laughs> Alexander Alexandrov in 1940-whatever, and it's long since out of copyright. It was actually the hymn of the Bolshevik party. But uh, And the reason I chose it is firstly because of the irony of choosing the um, Soviet national anthem as, as the, hymn, the hymn of the Bolshevik party as the national anthem of Libertaria. The irony of that's pretty obvious, but the second reason is, of course, it's out of copyright. <laughs> it's also a great, it's a great piece of musical writing. But here's the thing, Tom. Here's what my grand plan is: is I want to make a video of that song. With I don't know if you've seen these virtual choirs. Like there's a chap called Eric Whitaker from Los Angeles who has these virtual choirs, and there's people from all over the world uh, singing in his choir. And I want to get people i want to make a video with people from all over the world singing this national anthem and so what i'm asking people to do is to video themselves singing the national anthem and then to send me the video of that happening and i want to get hundreds thousands of libertarians of all ages colors i was going to say of all sexes but there are only two sexes as far as i know maybe there are more but um you know, of, of all different creeds and colours and also in fabulous different locations around the world, whether it's on the beach or in a mountain or on an iceberg or in the forest, whatever, or, or you know, or just in all these different homes. And I'm going to put all these videos together and make a, uh, a, a huge virtual choir. And it's going to be a fantastic video of libertarians around the world singing the national anthem. So um, if you go to dominicfrisbee.com slash blog, I've got some instructions on there on what to do. But you know, to my listeners, I just say this. If you like the words of, of the national anthem, please film a video of yourself singing it and send me that video or get get your friend to film you singing it and then you video your friend singing it. And um, we'll put something together, you know, on a communal voluntary basis, according to all the principles of Libertaria, and we will um, make something wonderful happen. I think that's a that's a really fun idea, and I think the finished product would be uh, very impressive to watch. I do feel like I have to warn you, this sounds like it could be an absolutely hideous project from a technical standpoint with all these videos. Well, you know, I, I'll deal with that. I've, had, I've only just started it, Tom, the day before yesterday. I've only got two videos so far. <laughs> but that's two more than, and then I haven't done myself. Oh, well, I haven't done myself yet, so that'll be three, and I've got my kids. So I'll be up to about 10 by the, you know, by the end of the week. But the more videos we get, I've got a really good technical guy who I'm working with. He's a fantastic motion graphics designer. So he's going to make it look amazing. So really, you know, if I get... It's somebody you, else's problem, it's in other some, words? I've delegated. I have delegated that particular problem <laughs> okay. to someone else. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. I've well, dedicated it to a woke lefty. <laughs> Fine. Okay. All right. So, so let send, me tell if only to make him, to give him pain, send him your videos. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. Well, I'm going to do it. So everybody listening, I'm going to do this as part of Dominic's project. Well, wonderful. You can down. be seen singing alongside Tom. Yeah, exactly. How about that? I mean, how many opportunities are you going to get? I'll, I'll just fast forward and give you the answer. This is never going to happen again. Right? This is your <laughs> one chance to, uh, to, to do this. So uh, 
Well, what else can we say? What else can we say about it? I, I can't. I, I just can't bring myself to end here. Well, it's. It's. I tell you what, Tom. I mean, it's like it's not something you can do in like two minutes. It takes about twenty. It involves a tiny bit of effort, twenty minutes or something like that. But you know, the better the video you send, the more prominently you'll be featured in the newly formed nation of Libertaria. And we all want, you know, we all want important government positions uh, in this in this new great nation so there's motivation to do it if nothing else so so the new regime will be a meritocracy you're saying um it, it'll be there will be no regime the new regime is that there is no regime but the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the kind of regime i can go for but the regime um there's the the song will get a little bit dictatorial in the sense that i'll have to make decisions uh in order you know editorial decisions but we'll call it dictatorial decisions but yeah the better the the, the better the quality of the videos you send in and you don't need to sing you only need to lip sync to the song just have it on youtube and and just and i've put the words on youtube you can read the words off youtube and sing it Oh, wait, wait, wait. So are you not envisioning people actually singing or are you just well, saying no, they I've don't got, have to if they don't want I've to? Got the, I've got the audio already because in the, in, the, in the song, as you just heard, you know, there's a huge choir there. I, we've, I've already had, you know, several, you know, at least 10 very good singers, but we've multi-tracked it. So it sounds like there's a choir of hundreds there. So all we need is the video. We don't need the audio. Oh, so it really well, doesn't matter if you can't be- sing. Okay, people can be much more likely to do it now. Yeah, <laughs> you only thing. need to okay. lip sync. All right, I'm glad we clarified that. Yeah, now we're going to get some people to get off the fence. Can you take a minute to describe what, I mean, we we had lunch in London. Describe what London has been like since all this happened. It just seems like the life has been sucked out of it, and will it come back? Well, you know, London was built on, I won't say it was built on the entertainment industry, but the entertainment industry played a huge part in, you know, London life. And, you know, we went through World War One, World War Two. We were, there was the Blitz. We were bombed by the Germans. The pubs stayed open. Nothing has ever, I think the pubs even stayed open in the Great Fire of London. I don't know, but I imagine they did, at least up the road. Nothing has ever closed the pubs before. And, you know, now... The pubs have been shut and we've got this ridiculous situation where people are begging the government to open the pubs again. And then when the the government does open the pubs, everyone's going to say, oh, thank you, thank you. And it's a real case of, what is it, that thing when you you fall in love with your... Is it Stockholm Syndrome when you fall in love? So it's like that, but with the government. And But it's astonishing that, you know, an English pub shuts down. How can that have happened? And yet it has. And, you know, obviously our, all our theatres have shut down. I know you're a great lover of theatre, Tom, and, and you know, huge West End empires. I'm actually thinking of trying to buy a theatre when this opens up because, you know, the West End theatre has been a little monopoly of a few for a long time. But I imagine, you know, when they eventually open up again, unless the government bails them out, as I'm sure it will, but, you know, there's a, there could be a huge opportunity coming there in the theater, but it's, you know, the West end is dead. And, um, it's just to make, you know, you go on the tubes and you're used to not being able to move on the tubes. They're so crowded. And, you know, even if you get on the tube in the middle of the rush hour at eight 30 in the morning, you get a seat. It's just extraordinary that, that something can have done this to London. And, you know, this, this, it's slowly starting to come back now, but I, d- I just don't think it's ever going to go back to what it was. It's just awful. I mean, I stayed, couple times near Trafalgar Square. I could easily walk over to the West End. 
I would sometimes just walk by a theater, look at what the production was about and just spontaneously buy a ticket and say, oh, you know, let's, let's go see this one. And and I was just doing that in February. Yeah. It's just amazing how how quickly this all, it's this am- all happened. I'm, yeah, I mean. And then, the, and then the other thing is even when, you know, the, the authorities tell you, well, you can start having this many people and doing this and that, the trouble is they have terrified a lot of people. And by the way, this is why there's been such a push in the U.S. for mail-in ballots as a uh, normal way of voting. It's because the Democrats in the U.S. have so terrified tens of millions of people that if they don't have mail-in voting, these people could be too terrified to go to the polls. They suddenly realized, wait a minute, we overdid it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, we call it we call it postal ballots over here. Okay. And there's no doubt that postal ballots is deeply rigged. And it's particularly the case with the Asian vote here because you'll have one sort of, you know, dominating patriarch in a big um, Asian family and he will, you know, nobody else has any choice really. They all, there's a lot of fraud, but there's also a lot of, you know, forced voting. And there's been a couple of swing seats in the last general election that went one way because of the postal ballots. And, you know, the Asian vote, particularly the Muslim vote, tends to be very left-wing. And because, you know, the the Labour Party, our left-wing, our equivalent of the Democrats, have made a big thing about championing Muslim rights. So they've created this sort of relationship. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's a lobbying relationship, basically. But um, postal ballots are seriously, as we say, bent. Um, are, they, are they on your side of the pond as well, or...? I assume so. I haven't looked into it, but it just seems like the when I observe what people are willing to do to get their way in in various aspects of life, I think it's just rank superstition associated with the religion of democracy to assume that they would never do it when it comes to the vote. Now, I don't think that vote fraud plays a particularly large role typically. I I don't and the, re- and the reason I don't is that in 2008 I was standing outside a polling place holding a sign for Ron Paul in Alabama. Now, Alabama is not Ron Paul country. He did very poorly in Alabama, maybe 5%, very, very poorly in the primary there his first time around. And if I had gone entirely by the strength of his rallies and the enthusiasm of his supporters, I would have thought the result had been rigged. If I hadn't stood there myself and seen maybe one out of 20 people make eye contact with us. I mean, the Ron Paul people were such that if you saw another Ron Paul person, you'd run up and hug that person. You know, there'd be tears streaming down your eyes. Ah, (laughs) a kindred spirit. Instead, what I saw were were people in their 70s and 80s who were his worst demographic, who if it was the last thing they did, they were going to go in there and vote for more welfare and more slavery. Like that was was what they were going to do. And more war. Uh, Those were the three things they wanted. And that Ron Paul's not your candidate. So I saw for myself that the problem is not fraud. It, the problem is uh, people. <laughs> That's yeah. the problem. Well, I, I hear you, Tom, but didn't like, wasn't Florida, when Al Gore had that election against George Bush, wasn't Florida very tight? It was just a matter of a few hundred votes one way yes, or the other. Yes, it, it was. And, and then so maybe were... a bit of fraud in the postal ballot could have swung that one way or the other. Oh, that's true. And, and, there's, and, and it's, it's virtually certain that in the 1960 election that elected John F. Kennedy over Nixon, it's virtually certain there was fraud uh, in Chicago and other places where there was just enough to put uh, Kennedy over the top. And, and Nixon was encouraged uh, even by Eisenhower. The, I mean, you'd never imagine an outgoing president today 
urging his former vice president to go and challenge the the election results. That would never, ever happen because the establishment has to – they don't want to do anything that undermines the, the religion of democracy. That you know, they have People have to have confidence that it's legit and it works. But Eisenhower was telling him to do it. Several other people were saying clearly the election was stolen from you and Nixon – I believe in all sincerity, and and Nixon had his problems, uh, clearly, but Nixon believed it would be bad for the country for him to do that, so he just uh, bowed out and bided his time until 1968. So I don't say that it plays no role, but as I say, after that Ron Paul experience, I think, well, the bigger problem is the people in this stupid country. (laughs) It's not that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the problem is if, you know, there's a very um, great quote from George Bernard Shaw, the playwright, which is, a government promising to rob Peter to pay Paul can pretty much count on the support of Paul. And that, <laughs> that sort of sums up the whole how it thing. Works. It does, it does. Now, what I've done is, you said on your blog there are instructions on how to um, submit the video and stuff. I actually took the specific post where you say that, and I'm going to put the link to that specific post on the show notes page also. So that's, again, tomwoods.com slash 1680. So go there and and you'll click on it. It's, it's The post is called Calling All Libertarians. So I'm putting that on the show notes page. That's what you should look for on Dominic's blog. And let's all do this. You know, it's something we can do in solidarity with each other at a time when the, you know, the noose seems to be tightening around us. You know, maybe it might be nice. We need to get the message out now more than ever. Oh my goodness me. Yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and do that. Well, listen, I, I appreciate it. I, I love talking to you and I, I wish we could be doing it in person before going to see a show or something, but uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe someday. But thanks again. Thank you so much, Tom. It's uh, always a pleasure. All right, everybody. Tomorrow on the show, Diana Johnstone returns. If I'm remembering this right, I think she's like in her mid-80s and she's just released a memoir of her life as a journalist covering stories around the world that, you know, the mainstream journalists, so-called, of course, got all wrong. She's more or less on the left, but she can't stand establishment left liberalism. So we'll have some fun conversation topics. So make sure you tune in for that and subscribe to the show, tomwoods.com slash Apple. Get all the episodes delivered to you automatically. And if you like and appreciate what I'm doing, make sure and become part of the Tom Woods Show Elite, entry into which is available via supportinglisteners.com. See you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of the Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.